This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Speaking of that union, Jay, we got a union member here with us. He's not from SAG-AFTRA. He's not from the UAW. He's from the DMO union. Welcome back, Terrence Fedson. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I was just as you were talking, I was trying to count mentally how many times we've done this, but you probably have it written down already. I think we're at now five. This will be numero five. You are correct. Uh, last year, it was Scenery and Fish by I Mother Earth. The year before that, Amorica by the Black Crows. Before that, Good Weird Feeling by the Odds. And year one was Odyssey number five. By Powderfinger. There is no connective tissue that I can find between all these releases. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm trying to spread the wealth. If you Canadian content, I, I'm from from outside Toronto, Canada. So if you can con, I want one Australian and the rest are American, but all from the 90s. As we do it. Yes. Uh, so for this episode, why don't you share with the audience uh, what album you selected? Uh, sure. So the album I picked is to me a quintessential dig me out album. And actually I had to look back in the archive to make sure it hadn't been covered already. Cause it seems like it, it really fits in the mission statement of, of this podcast. It's uh, Tracy Bonham's the burdens of being upright from 1996. Yes. How did you discover this record? Do you remember that? Was it back in the 90s or was it later? Yeah, I bought this album, I think, fairly shortly. I don't know what the exact release date. I think about spring of 96, April or May of 96. I do mm-hmm. actually remember I bought it because of the strength, of course, of the single Mother Mother, which is what most people probably know of Tracy Bonham. Mm-hmm. I bought it. I went into HMV and I bought it along with side, no doubt, the tragic kingdom <laughs> i don't know why i remember that but wow yeah <laughs> i was early on the no doubt train you know before uh, don't speak and uh, you know it was just when just a girl was was coming on so i don't really know what i was thinking when i bought those two albums but uh yeah well know. you mentioned uh, when it came out it's march 19th 1996 is when this came out and the single came out the week before this wasn't a long lead in mm-hmm. terms of uh, them releasing the single, and then the album came out. It only came out a week before, and that's Mother Mother. It had a video, which I remember. Um, I think, in terms of memorable, like I guess you'd call it a one-hit wonder. Uh, I, I would say this is up there. Yeah. People, that that intro with the acoustic guitar and the violin and all that stuff. Like I think a lot of people probably remember that, even if they don't remember Tracy Bonham specifically. It's just one of those songs. Yeah. that people probably remember jay did you listen to tracy bonham back in the 90s i know you're familiar with her uh no i did i remember the obviously remember the single quite well mm-hmm. uh i remember uh when we went and saw 
Catherine Wheel in Windsor she opened. Mm-hmm. And I think I may have listened to the, the record she was supporting at that time around then, just to kind of get familiar with with her. Yep. But, but that's really it. I don't know that I ever really listened to this record. Yeah, the album after this is called Down Here, and it was released April of 2000. So you're right. That was the record she was supporting yeah. um, when we saw her open for Catherine Wheel. A little bit of backstory on Tracy Bonham. Born 1967 in Eugene, Oregon. Um, she was classically trained in piano and violin. She um, went to the University of Oregon and uh, she was enrolled at an arts camp also um, when she was a teenager, the Interlochen Arts Camp in Michigan, but was expelled for smoking. <laughs> okay. um, she actually, I don't know. Did she go to Oregon or did she go? To, she went to uh, University of Southern California and then she also went to the Berkeley College of Music in Massachusetts. Um, and she started writing and recording music back in 94. Um, the one which is on this album was actually released on a compilation, um, in, uh, called, uh, the Boston based curve of the earth label. So this is one, I, I guess, after college, when she was done with Berkeley, she stayed in the area. Um, and then she ended up doing uh, releasing an EP called the Liverpool Sessions through the Cherry Disc label. And then she got signed to Island Records. She started recording at Ford Apache, which a uh, hundred thousand albums. That's probably an exaggeration, but a lot of albums in the Boston, New England area were recorded at Ford Apache by uh, Sean Slade and Paul Coldery. And uh, they worked on this record. They were the producers. It was recorded in um, summer 95 and then released, as we mentioned, in March of 96 on Island. It sold uh, over 500,000 copies. It went gold and it remained on the chart for 25 weeks, uh, peaking at number 54. And um, Mother Mother won her best female rock performance at the 1996 Grammys. Mm, wow. Or sorry nomination i i i overstepped uh she was nominated she did not win i don't know who won in 96 she was also nominated for best alternative album um she made it you know it, this was a globally solidly uh uh charting album it charted in like the top 40 in australia and uh norway and made its number top 50 in sweden new zealand uh i don't see anything about the uk apparently they didn't uh she didn't chart there. Um, a couple of interesting notes about this record. Jay, can you take a guess who played drums? Josh Freeze. Yes. <laughs> of course he did. Always, start, always, always guess Josh Freeze first. Always guess Josh Freeze. Yes, he's the drummer on this. And then the um, she plays guitar, violin, and obviously sings. Ed Ackerson plays some guitar on this. Ed Ackerson um, he passed away a couple of years ago, but he was a producer for a ton of bands, including the Jayhawks, the Replacement, Soul Asylum, Golden Smog, um, Old 97s, Juliana Hatfield, Pete Yorn, Brian Seltzer, Setzer, Brian Seltzer. <laughs> That's Brian Setzer's brother, Brian <laughs> Seltzer. Uh, the Wallflowers, 
Um, he was in uh, the band Polera mm. and a couple other ones, a couple other bands. And um, yeah, and he's I got a huge producer uh, uh, discography. But like I mentioned, he passed away uh, in 2019. So that's some of the info you mentioned about seeing them. I remember that concert in when we saw them open for Catherine Will. Somebody else saw them and they mentioned it on our Patreon page. Keith Badge said, we started out with this. I feel like the record company did this one dirty. If I picked Mother Mother and the one is singles and dumped a lot of energy, money and production to those songs and let the rest of it be basically released as one take demos. Also, the part of her appeal is that she's great at violin. That's the thing that sets her apart from most of the women rockers at the time. Why is there so little of it on here? Better EP for Mother Mother, the one Bulldog Navy Bean. I also saw her open for Catherine Wheel on the Wishville tour. She showed up a couple, we showed up a couple songs into her set and were greeted by, here's a song about the number zero eating the whole world. She was fine, but it still felt weird. (laughs) I don't really remember. I mean, I remember her opening, but I don't have a strong impression. I don't know either of the set. I just remember we were up close. We were like second standing and we were like second row back until the, um, some people tried to crowd in front of us and we hit him in the elbow, hit him with elbows in the face. Uh, Kyle Bittner said after numerous listens in the past and present, this doesn't do Dutch doesn't do much for me. I actually forgot this existed until it was recently featured in an episode of yellow jackets. It 100% worked well there. Jay, you watch that. Don't you? I watched the first season. I've had trouble kind of caring, <laughs> but I, I get the vibe of the show and can see how it would, would work. Uh, Dig Me Out, former Dig Me Out guest, uh, Craig Wedron is one of the music uh, yeah. producers of that show, along with, I think, Anna Wanaker also does it from That Dog. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mike Bankhead says, I have fond memories of this album. Ian McIver, I completely forgot about this album. While Mother Mother takes me back to university and is a solid track, the rest of the album fails to live up to that song, a common theme that would afflict many new artists and bands in the later half of the decade. While it, easy, it is easy to dismiss her work as derivative of Liz Fair and Alanis, who casted a large shadow over female artists in 95-96, there are signs of greatness that would come into their own on the following albums as Tracy Bonham finds her own voice and refines the presentation. Better EP. Well, good to know that Ian actually got into the catalog on Tracy Bonham. Uh, Willie Dillon, he said, were the album for me. No, it's not groundbreaking as some of the lyrics may be a little goofy, but I like the energy, the production, and there's some decent variety as well. Mother, Mother, and Tell It to the Sky do the loud, loud, quiet, loud trick nicely. Navy Bean is presumably a song about a legume. Legume? Legume? I think it's legume. Legume. Uh, Hard to beat that. Bulldog kind of reminds me of No Doubt. Anyway, I like the album. And finally, Gavin says, I bought this back in the day off the back of Mother Mother, and at the time, tended to put it in and fade out of interest. It's still like that. Songs are good just a bit too samey i like the fact that there was a time when you would just hear like one song and be like i'm gonna rush out and get that cd next time i'm in the (laughs) next time in the record store i'm gonna pick that cd up based on one single now i'm like this whole album's got to be killer for me to even consider buying it (laughs) i gotta love the whole record Uh, yes i'm uh, yes to the point where it's 
I won't, I don't buy it until I'll, I've streamed it so many times. I feel guilty. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, well, I just want to own this now because right. I, I feel like, like obviously I, I like this and I want to like physically own it because I've spent so much time with it. Right. The vast yeah. majority of my listening is streaming. I, I mean, I hate to say yeah. that because I don't sit, I don't have a record player in my car. Um, I'm not driving a, you know, experimental 1950s car with a, a 45 player in the dash. Um, You're not? No. No, I'm I still waiting for that my... Phase, uh, I thought you'd be in that phase of your life by now. No, I my goal is to get a 1980s Camaro IROC with a cassette deck for Ooh. all of my hair metal cassettes. So I can okay. pop the T-tops, throw in my Vinnie Vincent Invasion cassette, and... <laughs> cruise down uh two seven the 270 loop oh Vinnie vincent <laughs> <laughs> which album the first one or the second one first one come on oh okay that's all you need Boys are gonna rock. <laughs> uh, yeah i have like 40 hair metal cassettes that are just waiting to be to get uh, one, that little cassette holder that you would have that like the little yeah little, uh, yeah yeah that cassette holder. Yeah, you know what I'm talking That's about. Your whole life. Mm-hmm. Hitting that little. <laughs> Got my Ray-Bans on. I think that could be your next podcast, Brian Extension. You dig me out for hair metal, <laughs> 80s, the forgotten bands. Uh, oh, we've talked about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we do that. Chip is definitely going to be joining us for a lot of that. <laughs> because uh, there's, there's a, a very uh, unexplored <laughs> sea of bands that are uh, under the radar of 80s hair metal and, and hard rock. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's everything from our patrons. We've talked about Tracy Bonham's career. I should mention that um, she has been putting out records every once in a while, like every five years or so, basically. Uh, she put out Blink the Brightest on Zoe Records in 2005, Masts of Manhattan in 2010, Wax and Gold in 2015 and Modern Burdens in 2017. She's also put out some EPs here and there, like a Christmas EP in 2013. Um, and I don't know if uh, she's still making music or not right now, or if she's touring. That would be good to know if anybody uh, wants to mention it. Because on the, so like on Wikipedia, there's no link to a personal website. So whenever I see that there's, it's just, it just goes to like, you know, major websites, not to the, per I'm like, oh, that person must not be doing anything anymore. Who knows? Maybe she'll correct us when we post this on the social medias. Uh, her personal website is tracybonham.com. Well, why isn't it on Wikipedia? I was looking at the same time as you, Jay. I was like, it can't be that hard. We'll do it live. Oh, okay. Whatever. Uh, Wikipedia, get your shit together. Come on. That's basic information that should be listed there. So there's a 2021 album. Yeah. So there is? Know, fairly, yeah, fairly, yeah, fairly active. Man, Wiki, who is in charge of the Tracy Bonham Wikipedia page? They are dropping <laughs> the ball here. They got a whole album not listed. Her website's not listed. Just two shows coming up in April. Never mind. I just found her website. I'm an idiot. Well, those are either last April or this April. Yeah. It's hard to say. <laughs> Could be last April. Uh, so, Jay, let's get into it. Tell me one thing you liked about the burdens of being upright by Tracy Bonham. 
Yeah, I heard the uh, her background, you know, being a classically trained musician, uh, obviously having a real sense of like nuanced complexity when it comes to melody and even rhythm. And then I heard, you know, through this record, maybe some like trying to let go of that and just write a rock album. And I think there's moments where those two things really come together well. Mother Mother is a great example. And if you just listen to that acoustic guitar part, there's a really cool rhythm going on there. It's kind of staccato and it drags a little bit and then picks up. And then you hear the violin come in and these strings come in. And but then you're getting the soft, loud, angsty, you know, lyric, which is very 90s. So I think it's a good example of where all those elements are coming together. You're hearing somebody with, you know, real grasp of technically of music but then also kind of embracing where we were in the nineties and, you know, leaning into the emotional side of it, using some of the sounds and the techniques, you know, that a rock band would, would use. I also hear, you know, uh, pretty, pretty good uh, just pop songs, you know, Bulldog, I think is a good example. One hand of wonders another where some of that, um, maybe novel or, you know, uh, maybe past in terms of her musicianship and capabilities are really harnessed towards the service of a song, like just, you know, a fun, catchy, hooky song that most of what's in there, you know, there's some organ, there's some cool instrumentation, but for the most part, gets to the chorus fast tight compact there's nothing melodically going on that's too challenging where it's weird um so i really i'm liking this you know songs like mother mother i think the one is another good example where it has this amy man feel in the verses and then the choruses get to a, like a matthew sweet style melody so you've kind of again got this unusual kind of a novel sound pushing things trying different instruments trying different you know a little bit more complex melodies but then also delivering a hook um but then you've got towards the middle of the record like one hit wonder bulldog every breath where you know it shifts over and it's just more straightforward and i think both works equally well um and it's just a matter of like how she puts the pieces and parts together, um, whether she's you know trying to write more of a pop song or trying to do something that's a little bit more angsty, original, her own voice, 
maybe less direct. Uh, I think they they both can work really well. Um, so yeah, that's that's what worked for me. I mean, I I enjoy the her sense of melody too. Just overall, it reminded me a little bit of Eleven, um, and the way that she chooses notes, which is again is you know band that's based on folks who have a really high level of music comprehension, but then they're you know transforming that into a rock band. So I heard some similarities there, maybe with her and how she's approaching things to to that band. So that's some of the stuff that worked for me. What worked for you, Tim? Well, it's easy to mention Mother Mother because it's a really good single. In the context of reviewing it, I got to sort of break it down a little bit more. And one of the things I noticed on that song and then quite a bit on this record is how dynamic this record is. It could easily for like a singer songwriter be a very strummy, undynamic album, but the use of dynamics think about it in, in like in mother mother when she gets to the chorus part where those those big hits the um lone boom and dun, dun, boom you got these huge stops and then um it, you know she's yelling at that point um the bass player is doing these really fun high runs on that and i had to look that up that's drew parsons from the band american hi-fi uh, before okay. he formed American Hi-Fi with Stacey Jones, he was Tracy Bonham's bass player. Um, so you got a bass player who's able to play some, you know, pretty interesting stuff on this record and compliment what she's doing. And you hear it throughout the record. There's a lot of dynamics. Yes, it's a can be a, a, a soft, loud, soft, loud thing. But there's also parts where it happens like that, where there's a stop and a start or there are uses of of other just little songwriting tricks i would say that it probably helped having two veteran producers who might have made suggestions also having a really good band backing her up with ed ackerson and and drew and and josh freeze i mean that's that's a pretty good lineup to back you up and maybe make a suggestion here and there they've all written songs um but it all comes together because her voice is really great uh, across the record. All of her melodies stand out, uh, whether it's obvious ones like one hit wonder or mother, mother. I really liked the sort of slow burn of tell it to the sky. that she has in navy bean which almost has a um i don't know like a surf rock that i don't know if that's the correct uh genre for it but there's a nice 
uh, variety between the songs where you get a song like Bulldog, which has like a punk feel like an like it could have been it could have been an early 90s punk song um and it doesn't really you know there's comparisons to a lot of other female artists of the 90s i hear it a little bit in a song like kisses which has that like lo-fi liz fair feel could have been on exile and guyville but a lot of the record you mentioned it it doesn't stick to one particular sound she jumps around and so and she's able to match her voice pretty well with the different things that she's doing. So, yeah, you might hear a little Juliana Hatfield or you might hear a little Amy Mann or you might hear a little bit of something else. But really, she's capturing her own personality here. I think a lot of that also is, is pretty clever with some of the lyrics. Um, I've always liked in Mother Mother when she sings try a little tobacco like it sounds like it's out of the 1930s like who says tobacco like that like it's just a little bit smarter than just your typical pop lyric um so i appreciated that and i also just like the fact that this is such a fast record to get it's only 35 minutes which is so rare in this era i'm sure the record company was like where's the other half of the record um (laughs) But it's a perfect length for her because these songs are like, you know, they're in and out. Uh, you don't need extended jams. You don't need big intros. You know, you know, maybe one or two bars at the beginning, get in and get out. Um, it's really well constructed. And I think that's on her. And I think it's on everybody who contributed to this record because there's a lot of um, talent putting all this together. So it, it makes for a pretty catchy, fun, repeated listen because it's short and, and the songs are, for the most part, you know, super tight, which I appreciated. So that's what worked for me. Darren, you brought it to us. What works for you? Yeah, I think there's a lot of overlap between what the two of you have said. Actually, Jay, my first note on this was exactly what you'd said is it's the strong sense of melody in this album. Uh, super melodic, um, super catchy. I, I really enjoyed listening to it. Uh, I find that also the length, like you said, Tim, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's, uh, I mean, it drags a little bit at the end for me, a, a, a bit sameness, some of the songs near the end, but overall, I mean, I think to me, clearly mother, mother, that's always going to be what she's known for. And that's an awesome single, but uh, you know, when you scratch the surface here, there's, a lot of other great songs here, both the, you know, the, the, the more uh, power poppy ones, like the one, but I actually enjoyed the quieter ones as well. One hit wonder, even yeah, I see things like brain, brain, brain crack and kisses are really just, especially the uh, brain cracking is just experimental, but still even for that, it was like, yeah, it's accessible, but experimental. So yeah, I, I, uh, no, I, I really enjoyed the listen overall. I, and I was thinking back when I bought this, I listened to it for about three months or so on and off and I forgot about it and just re- rediscovering it now in 2023. It's uh, it's, it's, it's held up actually probably better than I, than I would have expected. I yeah, I, I, I agree. This, it doesn't sound particularly uh, dated in terms of production, in terms of the songs 
there's nothing blatantly like anachronistic about any of this. And if anything, now that I have, you know, more time with music, just in general, I can hear things like, you know, every breath has tinges of here and there of, of Liz Fair, but it sounds like Liz Fair at her most poppiest. And, yeah. and if you tweak that song, it's a, you know, it's a back, hand, back half of the record song. You tweak that a little bit, like that could have been a single. It's, yeah. it's pretty catchy, um, but it's only two and a half minutes. Um, you could have easily added a, you know, a big chorus at the end or something like that, or, you know, made some sort of changes that would, would have popified it <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I definitely hear that Liz Fair, and I didn't think of this until you mentioned it, but in some of these songs, I, I'm not, I'm not too conversant with her discography, but I, I, I hear what you're saying. I remember when this came out, though, I, I think it really, really capitalized. Uh, this is just when Alanis was, Alanis, Alanis was getting huge. Um, I was thinking with the timing, if they were recorded in summer 95, around the same time Jagged Little Pill was released. And I think this is what a, probably a lot of listeners may think of Tracy Bond. I'm like, oh, you know, it was just Alanis Light. Um, clearly, she was signed. That's what was, was, was uh, popular at the time. But I think it holds, holds its own for sure. Oh, Jay, is there anything that doesn't work for you on this record? Some of it feels a little flat or uninspired to me. Um, so you mentioned Navy being there's aspects of that I like, but in the end, it it just doesn't have like character. It feels like a I don't know a throwaway STP song or something. Um, Sharks can't sleep is another example. Yeah. It's not bad. It just sounds like her trying to do like a pixie song, and it lacks. I don't know. It lacks energy. It doesn't have either super strong melody or enough experimentation. Or sometimes the delivery just feels a little like I don't know, sleepy. Thirty seconds is another example. Um, they're just middle of the road. They're a little maybe too straightforward or derivative. Uh, they lack that the flavor of what's on the one or mother, mother, or even bulldog, where you're either, you know, getting a real heavy dose of energy. You know, I mean, just think about mother, mother. I mean, some of the vocals on that, how she delivers that. I mean, it's just she's popping out of the speakers there in Bulldog mm -hmm. with that punk spirit. You're getting a you know, a different type of energy from her, but it's still there. I think some of these other songs are just they're lacking that little extra special ingredient and or, you know, sense of urgency and maybe passion. Um, so some of this just fell flat. I, I don't think any of it's like, you know, sometimes when you, what doesn't work, some of the songs that call out, I don't even want to listen to them ever again. <laughs> You know, they're not like offensive or like um, I'm reaching to hit skip. They're just kind of forgettable. Yeah. Um, so that's what didn't work for me. How about you? Anything that work? I think Keith's mention of them sounding like first take demos. I don't know if there are, yeah. but there are songs that feel like they aren't as well thought out 
as yeah. the songs that you mentioned. And, and I was going to mention Sharks Can't Sleep either because in concept, I like that song. I like the soft, quiet or soft, loud part. Um, it feels like they forgot the dynamics other than soft, yeah. quiet or soft, loud. Right, soft, right. They're needed. To, and I was producing it in my head as I was listening to it like the third or fourth time. And I'm like, OK, well, I would do instead of just coming in with the big heavy part, I would do like a stop start part and maybe throw in like some big guitar bends here. Just like and yeah. the her vocal on that song feels more laid back to the rhythm. Yes. Yep. As opposed to attacking the way it does in the songs that really work. I think that's the thing is just there's some songs where she's a little too chill yeah and i no. wanted her to be more aggressive that might be what i'm a big part of what i'm reacting to because if you listen to mother mother i mean she's she's on top of it right mm-hmm. but some of these other songs are like man your your vocals falling behind and it's it's sometimes following the melody of the guitar too much that's another thing i think i picked out on the songs that i didn't care for as much is that she wasn't contrasting the guitar and I think hat or having another instrument where, you know, it's opposite of her. It's doing a counter to her, I think works really well. And when she doesn't do that, it just feels like just too pedestrian. Like we're all on the same page doing the same thing. And I think her voice works better as an attack mode in, in attack mode because you think about like the one like dun 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 it's these very quick notes mm-hmm. mother mother mm-hmm. a lot of that is the same way when she's elongating the notes they they become a little less original in just in terms yep. of the t- the tonality is tonality the right word i don't know if i'm using that right um it doesn't sound as original to her as those other songs mm-hmm. so that's where i kind of was like this is good but not great uh is there anything that doesn't work for you darren yeah for me it's the lyrics to me some of the songs are very stereotypical mid-90s nonsensical ironic uh sharks can't sleep it was a great example i like the melody of that song and the dynamics but the lyrics are just too abstract for me and and uh and then the chorus is just her screaming um so i preferred when she was more narratively telling a story like mother mother um uh but the vast majority of this album some of the lyrics just like oh this just sounds so 1996 to me so the production and the songwriting uh, the songs themselves 
like you said, Tim, before, they don't really sound day to me, but the lyrics to me really plant this in, you know, mid nineties. <laughs> you know, what's funny is that when I was listening through the record and, and I was, you know, different times listening to it, I was listening to it for different things. And when um, Sharks Can't Sleep came on, um, the, the lyrics are like, you know, saw a shark today, ate a man, then just swam away. It wasn't okay. And I'm in it. Sharks don't sleep is like true. Like sharks don't sleep. They have like rest periods, but they're inactive periods, but they don't actually ever sleep. And I, I thought about like, if you gave that concept to Gord Downey, like imagine what Gord Downey would have done with the idea of like sharks never sleeping with, yeah. with the lyrics. It would have been wild. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So I feel like that's the missed opportunity here. It's just like they're very pedestrians, very pedestrian lyrical. I mean, maybe she's making a commentary that there are like people who are like sharks and who are they, you know, they they're like zombies and they don't ever because there's this the line about Metastar today it looked like fle flesh and bone and tooth decay. It wasn't okay. I don't know if that's commentary on drugs. Maybe that's a you know tooth decay happens with like math so maybe that was someone she knew who knows but it just didn't like add up to a complete idea with those sort of rote lyrics yeah. um a lot of rhymey stuff on that song that just kind of felt like ah, this is not as interesting as what you did on mother mother which again i understand it's a single but like that song deserves some effort too, because there's a cool idea there. It's just not fleshed out. So that's where I think where the, the one take demo idea comes from, from Keith's comments. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, but that was where my disappointment lay with, with the parts that didn't work. Um, we, I, you know, we mentioned that this was a big single um, and, but it's like one of those classic late nineties, or back half of the nineties albums where like you got one song and if the second one didn't kill, uh, we're never hearing from you again. <laughs> yeah, sure. Totally. It's a rough time to be, uh, entering the music business. Yeah. Cause you know, this is an album that people, if this had come out two years earlier, I, I bet there'd be a lot of people who love this record the way that they like a Juliana Hatfield record or something yeah. else. Like it's not off pace with, that kind of stuff but after jagged little pill and after live through this and after some of those iconic records made by women you you come up with a record that's maybe not up to par with those so maybe that's where the comparisons didn't help um with regards to um gaining popularity and i i believe on the next record she turned the album in and the label was like, yeah, uh, no singles. We don't hear anything. And then she tried, went back and tried to write singles. And I don't know if they actually ended up promoting that record at all, but she got dropped after that. Yeah. And you said it was four years, right? 2000, her second album. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a long time in the nineties. Yeah. Um, she worked with um, a bunch of people on that record after this, Josh, Freeze played drums along with Pete Thomas uh, from Elvis Costello's band, The Attractions. Um, she had Mitchell Fromm, who was in um, bands with 
Richard Thompson, Los Lobos, Suzanne Vega. I mean, the, he's kind of got like this. He he was in Crowded House for four albums. Yeah, he was um, a producer for Crowded House. Uh, yeah. Because Crowded House is one of my favorite bands. And now he's a member. I just saw them this summer on tour. Yeah, he's worked with a lot. I mean, guys work with Paul McCartney and he's playing, you know, bass. No, sorry, bass. He's playing organ, piano, drum loops, moogs on the next record. Like she brought out some heavy hitters trying to got the bass player from Soul Coughing to play bass on that parts of that record. So like she was clearly going for something, but the record label didn't back her up, apparently. Um and the record label got sold at that point too. That's when the, like Polygram was moving around and Island was getting sold and bought. And so she got, I think she got lost in all that shuffle as well. Um, She's so, on a, like a five-year pace. If you look at her releases, it's like mm-hmm. 96, 2000, 2005, 2010. It's a pretty consistent pattern there of five years between. She must have heard Soul Coughing because Chad Blake produced that record as well. And I believe he worked with Soul Coughing on their last, at least as their last record. I don't know if he did the other two, um, but he definitely, uh, yeah, it might've been the first. Did he work on Ruby Vroom? Yeah, he did. He worked on Ruby Vroom and, and Eloso. Anywho, let's get into our overall ratings on this record we'll share the results from our patreon community in just a moment but jay where do you land is this a worthy album a better ep or a decent single uh i'm landing the plane here i come and it's an ep yeah um mother mother kisses i think is a is a cool little you know unusual song but i like it the one i think is a Makes sense. That was a single one hit wonder bulldog and every breath. I think those are to me, the tunes where she does the best job, like asserting who she is, um, doing what she does, you know, well, it's something unique. Um, and still, but still in service of a song, you know, so that's my EP. Where'd you land? I'm at a six song EP. Um, I'm going Mother Mother, Tell It to the Sky, The One, One Hit Wonder, Bulldog, and Every Breath. Now, that doesn't mean the other songs are bad. They just they're not up to those six songs. Um, I think this is a classic example of, you know, there's a really strong half a record here, and maybe they just needed some more. I, I don't know. I mean, they had time to work on this record, so you know maybe this was what they wanted. But I feel like there's some songs that are a little undercooked compared to what the really good songs are. So EP as well, Darren. Where do you land? Yeah, I'm aligned with the two of you, and I think this is the first album I picked where I actually don't pick a worthy album. Um, I, I do like it. I actually extended ep and for me i'm very simple I'm like from tracks one to nine from mother mother to bulldog after that the last three songs even now i'm looking at the track list i have a hard time remembering the last three songs it, uh, it's so to me i i think the sequencing of the first nine songs is great um so i know that's probably longer than an ep so either 
But if I had to pick one, I, I'd go more on the uh, EP weighted versus the album. Okay, that's fair because guess what? The community agreed. EP. This is a universal EP vote right here. 43% uh, said better EP. Were the album a decent single? We're tied at 29%. So there you go. Pretty much everyone's in agreement on the burdens of being upright by Tracy Bonham. I think if you uh, have not listened to the whole record and all you know is Mother Mother, you should definitely check it out for some of the other songs that we've mentioned, like The One and Bulldog, etc. I think there's some other really good tunes on this record. And I'm glad you brought it to us because like you mentioned, it seems like we should have done this record before, but yeah, we had with dig me out. It's always to me, the sweet spot is the albums that had one moderate or big single. And then you never hear from the band again. Uh, mm-hmm. I heard fans. So again, I was surprised this wasn't already covered in the 10 plus and, year. Doing and we spot. either get to that album or we get to like the one after it where they're like, tried to follow it up. Yeah with uh, with a record with with a you know a follow-up single and you see what what happens after that yeah. like with uh, marcy playground or something like that yeah. where we we don't actually listen to the the big album uh sometimes that's even more interesting when you're like okay you 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 got some cash to uh to make a record let's see what you can do you don't have to it's you got to write some fresh songs you're not Van Halen in 1977 going in with 40 songs ready to go and just uh, picking the 10 best. You got to actually uh, write some new stuff. So thank you, Darren. We appreciate it. This is number five and uh, or number. Yeah, this is actually uh, number six. six so number the, six. The yeah. first one, I was shy. I didn't come on the podcast. It was Marcus Playground's Shapeshifter album. That's right. I'm glad I, I, I that's I think I was reading earlier and that's why that was in my head. Yeah. because uh so this is number six yeah. and uh i'm glad you overcame your shyness because we appreciate you being on the show and being a part of the community oh thank you it's a lot of, always a lot of fun and actually this is one of the few times usually when i come in i know the band the album quite well this is one i actually learned quite a bit tonight from uh from your research thank you the wikipedia yeah the wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> also the website not tracybonner.com. Yeah, not Tracy. <laughs> Why would I go to tracybonner.com to, to learn anything? I would just go to Wikipedia where the person doesn't keep it updated. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, to our listeners, if you would like to be like Darren and suggest a record, you can join us over at digmeout.com or excuse me, dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. That's how you join our Patreon union. You can vote in the polls like the one for this episode. You can vote in our monthly tournament polls where albums suggested through digmeoutpodcast.com are put into the hopper and a whole bunch of records go in and only one record comes out voted on by our community. It's the tournament of death. Uh, Once those records are gone, they're gone. Unless somebody new suggests them. Could be you. We should probably, Jay keep a list of every album that has lost so that if people want to resubmit mm-hmm. of the ones that have lost and never gotten reviewed especially uh, the ones that come in second can you put grade. can you put steve our intern on that can we get can we get steve on that you steve or 
Do a second chances vote. All the albums that came just you know, in their individual votes, they came in second place. There's, a, there's quite a few good ones there. We'll do a second chance of all the ones that didn't make it. So like 200 albums, we'll put them in one poll. <laughs> and uh, you have to pick from that. I'm sure there'll be no vote splitting. No. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone will have one vote. Uh, so Patreon is where you go to vote on records. To also listen to our exclusive aughts podcast for this year we've had four of those up so far we got two more to do uh towards the end of the year we'll have one probably this coming october and then we'll have one um in december those are our aughts episodes we've done the poster children the distillers uh the nation blue and okay go if you want to be a part of selecting those or listening to those episodes digmeoutunion.com it's also where you can read the Fox newsletter. It comes out every week. Calendar of new releases for 80s, 90s, and aughts music that we cover on this podcast. It's also books and movies and documentaries and TV shows and albums and all that stuff. Uh, plus reviews of two new releases every week. One minute reviews over at our Substack. Finally, Apple Podcast is where you go to leave positive feedback for the show. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode. Dig me out. Dig me out.